Earnings are on deck right now. That is what Wall Street is focusing on, is the potential earning reports that will be coming out for a lot of these companies. And I have to say, Wall Street is banking a lot that there will be some good news and some bad news, at least at the time of recording this podcast. In particular, one company that they're really looking on is Delta currently right now, even though there's still, I believe, a few more banks that have to report earnings going forward. But we are in full swing and earnings season in the making. For the next few weeks, this is what Wall Street will be talking about is how do these companies perform from last quarter? And what does that mean for the market going forward? Well, Wall Street's predicting right now, it seems like, because for the most part, it has been up for most of the year so far, at least at the time of recording this podcast. It seems like Wall Street's predicting that we're on a recovery rebound right now. And if that's the case, then you can expect Wall Street to get more and more excited if there are positive earnings reports coming out. But we do have some things to talk about today. For instance, Morgan Stanley reported earnings and their shares jumped 8% on the bank earnings as they topped estimates. And what does that mean for other banks going forward and Morgan Stanley? Then we got some news from Roblox as Roblox pops after a December update that shows an increase in bookings. And what does that mean for Roblox going forward and the video game sector? Then we got some news from the lovely world of the semiconductor world. It seems like the shortage might be coming to an end. And it's actually kind of funny that this is that this is being talked about because there's another company we can talk about too today that actually did mention something like this similar. And I had a theory about it and, I, and this might be connected with it. So then we got to also talk about prices. Apparently the CEO of one company is saying right now that prices are increasing and we, uh, and it hasn't peaked yet either. That's the scary thought to think about as well. And so we'll get a little bit about that. And finally today, we'll end today's podcast by talking about Apple CEO Tim Cook and on a big announcement to receive a 40% pay cut. Probably one of the biggest pay cuts I have ever seen for a CEO. And what does that mean for companies going forward? So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that you should talk to your professional advisor as they'd understand your financial situation a lot better than I would, as I could be technically wrong about everything on my opinion here about what I think of companies and what they'll do going forward. Please also note too that I legally cannot give you financial advice, and this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. With that, let's begin today's podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. Morgan Stanley shares jump 6% as bank earnings top estimates on record wealth management revenue. Okay. From CNBC, Morgan Stanley reported fourth quarter earnings on Tuesday that exceeded Wall Street expectation, boosted by the bank's record wealth management revenue and growth as its trading business. Shares of the firm rose more than 6% early trading after the results. In the fourth quarter, net income fell to $2.11 billion or $1.26 or $1.26 per share from $3.59 billion or $2.01 per share a year ago, but a top analysis estimates of $1.19 a share from Refinitiv. Profit has been hurt by the slowdown in deal-making over the past year, prompting a New York-based company to cut about 2% of its staff in December. The job reduction impacted about 1,600 of its 81,567 employees and, and touched nearly every corner of the Global Investment Bank. The firm posted se severance costs of $133 million in the last quarter. Excluding those expenses and a tax gain of $89 million, Morgan Stanley said it earned $1.31 per share. Revenue fell to $12.75 billion from $14.52 billion a year ago, but the higher 
but was higher than the 12.64 billion Wall Street was expecting, according to Refinitiv. Quote, we report solid fourth quarter earnings amidst a difficult market environment, Chairman and CEO James Gorman said in a statement. Overall, 2022 is a strong year for the firm as our clear strategy and balanced business model enable us to deliver an ROTCE of 16% despite the complex macro drop backdrop. The company's wealth management business, which tends to have steady returns, posted a record net revenue of $6.63 billion in the latest quarter, 6% higher than a year ago. The result was helped by an increase of net income on higher interest rates and bank lending growth, the bank said. Trading revenue rose, climbing to $3.02 billion from $2.39 no, billion a year ago. On the equity side, revenue fell 24% from a year ago, driven by market down, uncertain strategic investments, and lower brokerage balances. But fixed income net revenue was up 15% from a year ago, reflecting a strong result in macro and credit productions. The firm investment bank surged a big slowdown amid a collapse of IPOs and debt and equity annuances. Revenue from the investment banking came to $1.25 billion in the fourth quarter, down 49% from a year ago. The bank said it dropped was due to the substantial decline in global equity underwriting volumes and lower companies completed M&A M transactions, okay? You know, we have read about this because uh, Goldman Sachs was, said this as well. Goldman Sachs is predicting that they're not going to do well this year due to the fact that, <coughs> excuse me, that there's not a lot of IPOs happening right now. And Morgan Stanley's confirming this as well. But Morgan Stanley did pretty well this quarter. So it seems like maybe not things are not going to be as bad. And it could also mean that you could potentially see some more hirings happening at Goldman Sachs, no, honestly. And the reason I believe that is if if Wall Street believes that we are on a rebound and if earnings keep doing well, that means there's a high probability that the market could be on the rebound, okay? I want to point this out to you, okay? There's been news reports right now, and we're not going to cover in today's podcast as much, that Bitcoin is climbing, okay? It means they're predicting that Bitcoin is going to grow soon. It's a supply-demand issue, obviously, at the end of the day with Bitcoin or speculation at this point. But Bitcoin's on the rise. And if history is any indicator, sometimes when Bitcoin rises, the market rises with it as well. Okay. Bitcoin, I believe, just crossed about 21,000 a coin currently right now. If I'm not mistaken, this isn't financial advice at the end of the day. And it just seems like the market just might be on the rebound. Wall Street might be getting more excited. But earnings will actually give us a better idea. But if Morgan Stanley's doing well, you can expect Goldman Sachs to potentially do well as well. The only difference, though, is that Goldman Sachs might be relying more on IPOs that are supposedly supposed to be happening this year. And so if you see the return of IPOs or more talks of IPOs, you can expect Morgan Stanley and potentially Goldman Sachs doing well going forward as well. And this is just interesting to see how Morgan Stanley did well, even with a crummy IPO year from last year, okay? But speaking of other companies that are doing well, okay? From the tech industries, shares of Roblox pop after December update shows increase in bookings. Okay, from CNBC, shares of Roblox popped 13% on Tuesday after the gaming company released its December 2022 metrics report. It showed estimate bookings were between 430 million and 439 million for the month, up 17% to 20% year over year. Roblox calls its revenue figure bookings. The company generates revenue from sales of its virtual currencies called Robux, which players used to dress up their avatars and buy other premium features in the games. Daily active users rose 18% from December of 2021 to 61.5 million users. Roblox average bookings per daily active users were between $6.99 and $7.14 for the month. 
which reflects a change of negative 1% to one to positive 1% year over year. The December report seemed to encourage investors after shares of Roblox closed down 15.7% when the company released its November business update. That report showed that slowing growth and the decline in how much it earns from its daily users. Chief Business Officer Craig Donato told CNBC Steve Kovac in August that Roblox is bullish on the future because of its investment in its employers, server capacity, and global data. Shares of Roblox are up more than 30% year-to-date. Okay, The only reason I can see Roblox continuing to increase, in all honesty, okay, is young people, and I'm saying young people under the age of 18 because as I... As some of you might know, if you follow this podcast for a while, I do coach volleyball and you get to hear sometimes what the kids are talking about these days. Or if you're just around young people in general, you'll know what they're talking about. And recently, a lot of the the kids that I've been coaching have been talking about Roblox. Okay, Now, this isn't financial advice at the end of the day, but my dad once said that if you want to know where to potentially put your money, this is when like early 2000s, because I remember this. He says, you should always pay attention to what young kids are talking about. Now, granted, this is a small sample size, but maybe there's other kids who are jumping into Roblox as much. Or maybe I'm completely wrong and it's the people who are playing Roblox or older. I don't know. Okay, It's just an observation I made. Okay, But Roblox is being talked about, at least in my personal bubbles that I'm in sometimes. And if that's the case, then potentially Roblox could be growing. I could be wrong. Like I've always said, this isn't financial advice at the end of the day. But it is being talked about a little bit more, okay? And I don't know a whole lot about Roblox. I mean, it just sounds like this generation's version of Minecraft from back in the day. But they are talking about it. And they're talking about things that they do on there. And maybe this is where the future is going for Roblox. But in all honesty, I see the video game sector still getting hammered. And the reason being is because you have other companies that are reporting really bad earnings, okay? And granted, Roblox numbers were up in December, but what they're not telling you is when those numbers went up. And honestly, think about this. If young people are playing Roblox, they're probably doing it when they're on Christmas break, okay? And honestly, come January, that could be a different story. Now, granted, some schools didn't jump back until about last week. And you also had Martin Luther King Day that just happened yesterday. And so there's a high probability that maybe January numbers could be a little bit lower. And then come February, when there's not as many holiday seasons, it could be potentially bad. Okay. It's a trend you'll have to pay attention to, to really figure out what's going on in the video game sector, especially with Roblox. Okay. My personal opinion is I believe when there's holidays, you're going to have a lot of young people playing the game, but when they're back in school or busy with life, they're not going to be doing it as much. So it makes sense why in December could be doing well. But the future for Roblox is still an unknown. And the video game sector, in my opinion, is going to continue to get hammered. Like I said in a past podcast, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that I can see these video game companies being bought out by like big players like Microsoft or Apple or even a Samsung. Something like that, right? Where the hardware could have the video games in the software inside the hardware. And you can just play the game from the TV. <coughs> excuse me. From the TV console from there. <coughs> excuse me. But at the end of the day, it's just it's just a video game. And I don't know where their growth comes from. I mean, granted, people are using the Robux on their systems, which is a smart move on their part. But we're going to continue paying attention to see what happens in the video game sector. And I still believe one day it's just going to get all bought out. So continuing on. Now, this is kind of big news on on uh, from just just from what we went through this last year in 2022. 
I had mentioned that when the end of the Chinese lockdown of COVID was to happen, that there was going to be a reopening and things would be growing. Okay. And I also told people too, that you would have an idea of what was happening with shortages based off what companies were reporting. And this year we're going to get a better understanding uh, if the shortages are coming to an end. But this is actually huge news because the shortages might be coming in an end in the semiconductor sector, okay? It says here, the worst is over for the global chip shortage. ABB chairman says, I'm quite optimistic, okay? The global shortage of semiconductors is being sorted out after years of disruptions to supply chains that that made them a scarce resource, according to chairman of the Swedish Swiss tech and engineering giant ABNB. And by the way, this is being reported from CNBC News, by the way. Continuing on the article, it says, ask whether supply chain issues with regard to semiconductors have been resolved. ABB's Peter Volser said that he believes the worst of the chip supply crunch has subsided. Quote, it was really an issue in 2022, specifically the first two, three quarters. Volser told CNBC at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland on Monday. Quote, this was a real shortage of semiconductors, which affected us a lot because clearly when you're in electronics automation and robotics, one of the key components is semiconductors. And we are using quite complex ones. So therefore, Taiwan is very important, but also Chinese semiconductors, he added. (coughs) But if I looked at at it, I think it's now being sorted out. I think global growth slowdowns has helped on this as well. And now for the future, I'm quite optimistic. Chips are the brains of the electronic devices that can be found in range of products from cars to home appliances to smartphones. There are a core piece of of much economic activity. So the limitations in supply have a ripple effect on the border on the broader ec- economy. 2022 was deeply challenging for ABB, Vosser said, with the coronavirus in China and its related disruptions to global trade hitting the company hard. During pandemic-related shutdowns, ABB was forced to close factories in China while hundreds of employees had to live in factories due to strict curbs on public life, he added. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, we delivered in that sense, but not at full capacity, he said. We weathered the storm in a certain way. In 2023, however, Vosser expected an improving outlook in China, while the rest of the world experiences lower growth. Quote, now with the latest wave of COVID, I think that's a different wave of COVID and dealing with the pandemic, as we all know. I would guess that in a few months, this is over and we are getting into a more normal environment in China as well, Vosser said. Quote, the rest of the world will see lower growth in 2023. I would predict the first few months, he said. In that sense, I am on the school that in the second half, China will bounce back and see growth, which is higher than anticipated. In the semiconductor space, slowing economic activity has helped balance out the shortage of the rise in the cost of living, resulting in a softening of demand from consumers for pricey chip-equipped goods, according to Foster's. Quote, I think with the Global Chips Act in the U.S. investment <clears throat> in Europe, we will see more. Most probably, we are going into a capacity overhang pretty soon. If the economy grows slower than anticipated, the Airbnb, the AB, ABB chairman said, okay, mm-hmm. one thing the chip shortage has highlighted in the dis, uh, dependency of manufacturers and components from East Asia, TSMC, the Taiwanese semiconductor giant is far from the largest producer of microchips. Okay. Okay. So ABB believes it's over. Okay. And I kind of believe that as well. And the only reason I believe that is I was recently reading a report on Nightscope. Okay. And granted, I am not a. I, I own shares in Nightscope, the company. I've mentioned Nightscope hundreds of times in this podcast because I'm a believer in the company. But the CEO recently came out with an article, and he said the same thing too. He said that he believes the the shortage, the shortages are coming to an end. It was like in some article that was like it was posted at the beginning of the year of what their plan was for future growth of the company, <coughs> what their plans were. 
And now you got a second company like Airbnb believing that as well. I'm a firm believer in that as well. And the only reason I say that is <clears throat> small companies like Nightscope in particular, they can't hide a lot of stuff. They are in this growth phase. And for the longest time, if you listen to the CEO in interviews, he has mentioned just how crazy the supply chain issues have been. And then he comes out with an with somewhat somewhat of a PR release saying that the shortages are coming to an end, at least on their end. And now you have Airbnb is reporting that as well. Okay. That's two companies. Okay. I personally would not be surprised going forward if a lot of companies start believing that as well, that the shortages are coming to an end. And if that's the case, it's going to be good in the making for us. It just in the market in general, it just means things are getting back to normal. Remember a few months ago, China eventually just ended their zero COVID policy. And I said back then in that podcast that with their ending their zero COVID policy, that China was going to be on the rebound. Now, ABNB believes that as well, but he believes it's going to be in the second part of this year. I believe by second quarter, China is going to be up and running in all honesty. And if that's the case, there will be demand for chips again. It might take a little bit while, but the shortage, it seems like it's coming to an end, which is good, good news, If you, especially if, you are look, if you're an electronics person. And it's interesting to see how this is happening. But there are prices that haven't peaked, according to one CEO. It says here, prices have not peaked yet, says CEO of one of the world's largest consumer good for, goods firm <clears throat> from CNBC. The CEO of consumer goods giant... Uh, Unilever said Tuesday that the prices would likely continue to rise in the near term, adding that his firm had a playbook for high inflation thanks to its business dealings in markets like Argentina and Turkey. Speaking to CNBC uh, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Alan Jope talked about how his firm was managing its operations in the current climate. Quote, for the last 18 months, we have seen extraordinary in input cost pressures. It's It runs across petrochemical-derived products, agriculture-derived products, energy transport, logistics, he said. Quote, it has been feeding through the, for quite some time now, and we've been accelerating the rate of price increases that we've had to put in the market, he added. So far, the consumer response in terms of volume softness has been muted. The customer has been very resilient, Job said. Quote, we do not see the prospect of higher volume elasticity as winter energy costs hit, as household savings levels come down and the buffer goes away as the price continues to rise, he said. Last October, Unilever pu published its third quarter results for 2022, with the firm reporting price growth of 12.5%. Job has asked if he foresaw any mod moderation when it comes to inflationary pressures. Quote, it's very hard to predict the future of commodity markets, he replied, even if you press the oil markets major CEO, they'll be a little uh, keggy on giving an outlook on energy prices. Unilever views, he said, was that, quote, we know for sure that more inflationary pressures coming through in our input costs. Continuing on, he says, quote, we might be at the moment around peak inflation, but probably not peak prices, he went on to state. Okay. If this is true, then there will be issues going forward. But the only thing I'm going to say about the CEO is, Turkey's inflation has been rising for a while. I don't know what's going on in Argentina and had to look more into it, okay? But I do know for a fact that Turkey is doing the complete opposite. In the United States, as we are raising our interest rates, Turkey is doing the complete opposite. They are lowering, lowering their interest rates. We've, re we've been reporting this in past podcasts, and I advise you go listen to those past podcasts if you want to get an understanding of what's happening in Turkey. But... I think what he's seeing is completely different. Now, granted, like I said, I don't know what's going on in Argentina at the end of the day, but those are just two countries, two countries that are having this issue, at least according to him. And I just don't know if prices really will go up. It could be, 
And honestly, I mean, prices have seemed to have gone up. Like I've mentioned in past podcasts, we know why the egg issue has been going up, but Unilever doesn't really use eggs that much at the end of the day or sell eggs, I guess, in that regard. But if prices are going up, that means we should be seeing it. But I haven't seen it yet, in all honesty. But we will continue paying attention because he's making a statement, okay? Now, granted, maybe it's just his business is feeling it. But then you have companies like Procter & Gamble and probably uh, Clorox and also, let's see, there's PG&E, Unilever, Clorox, and another one. I can't remember the last big one is, but there's like four big companies. And if if this company is currently feeling it, Unilever, that means there's a probability that they're going to feel it across PG&E and all that stuff. We'll get a better idea once earnings come out and we'll be able to see if the CEO is right. But for the time being, this is just news we're reporting on right now. Maybe some of you will see it at the uh, at your stores or your local store soon when you go. And maybe you'll get a better idea of what's really going on. Now, last thing, and this is kind of big news. When we first started this podcast here at Stock Market Observation, our very first podcast we talked about was pay increases for CEOs. And if you want to go listen to that podcast, I mean, you can if you want to. It was my very first one. And I was trying to figure out how the podcasting world was working. And it might not be my best work, but... I would advise listening to it if you want to hear about the pay increases that happened last year. But in that podcast, I remember talking about how there was going to be a time where CEOs from these companies were going to feel it. Because think about it this way. As I had mentioned, and I'll mention this again, as pay increases happen to CEOs, the average Joe is not going to be too happy as they can't afford life or just doing their normal routines that they are used to. And I said there will become a reckoning for CEOs in the making if their pay keeps on increasing, okay? Says here from to the tech industry from CNBC, Apple's CEO Tim Cook requests and receives a 40% pay cut after shareholder vote. Vote, correction. And just small disclosure, I do have a small position in Apple. It's a long-term position. Says here from CNBC, Apple CEO Tim Cook received a pay cut in 2023 to $49 million in total compensation. The company sent in a filing with the SEC. <coughs> Cook requested the change. Apple said in the filing following a shareholder vote on this pay package. The company also reduced the number of restricted stock units Cook would receive if he retires before 2026. In 2022, Cook just made under $83 million in stock rewards, $12 million in incentives, and $3 million in salary. He also got benefits including retirement plan contributions, security personal air travel, and more than $46,000 in vacation cash out. Apple's compensation committee said it made the change in response to last year's say on pay vote in which 64% of the shareholders approved of Cook's compensation down from 95% or approved of Apple's 2022 fiscal year. Still, Apple's board praised Cook's performance and said it has confidence in the CEO's long-term strategic decisions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Executive compensation has come under increased pressure from institutional shareholders of late. Institutional shareholder services recommended that Apple's shareholders vote against Cook pay package at last year's annual meeting. The compensation committee comprised of Art Lennison, uh, Al Gore, and Andre Jung said it reached out to the institutional shareholders to gauge how they felt about Cook's pay. Based on the important conversations, we had made changes to the size and structure of Tim's 2023 compensation and committee wrote, um, the committee wrote. Most alterations could be in store. Quote, taking into consideration Apple comparable size, scope, and performance, the compensation committee also intends to position Mr. Cook's annual target compensation between the 80th and 90th percentile relative to our primary peers group for future years, the committee said. Cook is paid mostly in, in restricted stock units. The number of actual shares of Apple stock that 
Cook vest depends on the company's performance versus the S&P. Apple stock has done well enough that Cook typically vests the maximum amount. Since Cook took over CEO and Apple, correction, since Cook took over CEO in 2011, Apple stock has returned 1,212% versus 290% from the S&P 500, Apple said. In addition to reducing the total target, 75% of Cook's vesting shares will be tied to Apple stock performance in 2023 instead of 50%. Apple announced a stock grant for Cook in September 2020, running through 2025. Cook received on its first day of Apple's fiscal 2021, which started at the end of September. When it was approved, Cook's stock granted would have given him $1 million worth of $114 million at the time if Apple were to hit its targets. Cook Privy stock grant from 2011 ended up being worth more than $900 million at Apple's September 2020 share price. Cook said in 2015 that he plans to donate his fortune to charity. Okay. Here's what's going to end up happening soon. Okay. Performance base is going to happen for the CEOs in the making. Okay. Like I said, the very first podcast we did on the, on this show for stock market observation, we had talked about CEOs pay increases. Okay. If a lot of CEOs are making a lot of money and some do not perform well. Okay. Tim Cook has been the kind of the exception. He's been doing pretty well, but you have other companies like for instance, in the past, like General Electric was giving these huge compensation plans to the CEOs and they were just running the company like GE into the ground for the longest time, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I have to look more into it. But the days of CEOs, this is going to be the ultimate question going forward. Do CEOs deserve to have these giant pay days that they're getting? And honestly, okay, think about this. Like I just said, Tim Cook only got $4 million or $3 million dollars in actual pay and the rest was like in stock. Okay, that's fine. But it would seem like CEOs are on the chopping block soon. They're going to, news will get around for this. It's not going to happen just yet, but CEOs around should be worried. Tim Cook just got a pay cut from shareholders. It's only a matter of time before other shareholders start doing the same thing too, where they're going to start requesting that CEOs don't get paid that much. Okay. And that's going to make things a lot interesting going forward for these companies. And honestly, you, they're paying these CEOs high amounts. I mean, at the end of the day, the CEOs have to make decisions that can make or break a lot of these companies. And I believe CEOs should get paid. Now, how much is a different story to be asking. But I mean, look at it this way. Warren Buffett, the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, I believe if I remember correctly reading, he makes like 100000 a year in his own company. Okay. And I believe the rest is in stock, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong. It's been a while since I looked into how Warren Buffett makes his money at the end of the day at Berkshire. But you have that. That's one CEO. Then you have the CEOs of other companies who are making millions of dollars a year. Crackdown's going to ha be happening to CEOs soon. And this is just the start, potentially. My opinion, though. Tim Cook is the start. But don't be surprised soon if there starts becoming more, especially if you are into investing a lot and you actually do take the time to look at your shares. Something I always vote for is I don't vote for pay increases for CEOs. I really don't. It's very rare I'll agree, at least when I'm voting with my shares of companies. I mean, I think a CEO should be paid based off how they perform, but sometimes CEOs don't do well. And CEOs should not be rewarded at the end of the day if that is the case. But there is a changing of the wind happening. It's going to be a slow change, but you don't be surprised soon if there starts becoming change across Wall Street when it comes to CEO pay. So 
I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street and that Wall Street isn't or doesn't have the time to be able to talk about it at all times. Please also continue sharing with friends or family as it has helped grow this podcast. To my fellow podcast listeners, thank you for being a huge support to this podcast and sharing with friends or family as you have helped grow this podcast. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.